Hi everyone, welcome to Ainsley Hooper Chats With and this week I have Jason Climo with me. Welcome Jason, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too, very, very excited. Jason, can you please introduce yourself and tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do? Yep, so I'm Jason Climo, as you said, and I do a lot of different things actually. Um, mm -hmm. I work at a museum in marketing. I run my own business, which is a marketing agency, I'm also a model um, mm -hmm. and a activist. So I'm a person with disability um, and I have a spinal cord injury and I wheel myself around in my cool little all black wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh, excellent. Can you tell me about the modeling? What? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe, well, I think it was about three years ago now or three and a half maybe. I started modeling and mm. I model with an agency called Wink Models in Melbourne. Mm. Um, they're pretty cool. And I just sort of jumped straight into it really because I have a friend that works in the industry down in Melbourne mm -hmm. um, and she just suggested, you know, do you want to give it a go? And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Didn't really even think about like the activism or inclusion or diversity side of things at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Pretty much I was like, quite shallow about it i was like this would be a fun way to travel australia or the world and make some money and have some fun and meet some cute people along the way mm -hmm. <laughs> some nice looking boys yeah um and then yeah probably after doing it for about maybe three months i was contacted by an organization called starting with julius um right. and they sort of opened my eyes to the world of inclusion um and sort of made me realize that what I was doing was a little bit groundbreaking in terms of being signed by a modeling agency, being a person with disability. Mm -hmm. So obviously now <laughs> I'm like full blown in my activism and inclusion work and everything that I really try and do in terms of my modeling, obviously sometimes it's just incidental stuff and I'm making money, which is nice um, and it's fun, but most of the time there is an element of activism attached and it's about breaking down the barriers in fashion and advertising industries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and getting better representation and more representation for mm -hmm. people with disability. So, right. so yeah. with, with Wink, is that a, um, an agency for people with disabilities or it just happens? No. So they're a mainstream, um, mainstream disability, yeah. uh, sorry, mainstream modeling agency um, yep. down in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that was sort of almost the groundbreaking part about it was that, I don't believe at that point in time, like three or four years ago, whatever it was, um, mm. that there were other models with disability signed to those mainstream agencies. So obviously other models yeah. with disability modelling, um, but yeah, the, the agencies have a very big role to play in actually getting representation and, um, and almost educating their own clients about representing people from marginalised communities. So mm -hmm. Um, it was a bit of a big deal and I just yeah. didn't realise. <laughs> that is, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I, I mean, I've not looked into that space too much. So I, I, I would have assumed just straight away that it would have been yet for people with disabilities, but that, and, and that's an interesting thought process for someone with a disability to have. So it's, yeah, it's great to see that, that, um, yeah, that, that exists. So were you doing, yeah. were you doing modelling before your spinal cord injury? No, I'd sort okay. of considered it once or twice before, mm -hmm. but I ended up actually studying medicine for two years um, yes. prior to acquiring my impairment. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that sort of just took over my life, I guess. So yeah, modeling was just like, a, oh, maybe I'll do that one day. And then I started studying med and I was like, I do not have time to do anything else. So right. wow. yeah. And then I obviously didn't follow that through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, now, now that I've got a bit more of that time on my hands, I guess, not that I've, now I'm pretty <laughs> busy again. Sorry, but, um, you're pretty what, sorry? Busy again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with my different bits and pieces, which is mm-hmm. great. I love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So is the modeling, is that the main income that you're having, like the main income stream? Um, probably more my day job at the museum and my business okay. is where like most yeah. of the money comes from. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the modeling and inclusion work is really yeah. where my heart lies, my yeah. passion lies really. I've got to ask you, what, what, what are you doing at the museum? Oh, I do marketing. Oh, marketing. I mean, I yeah. just, so the whole museum thing, just, yeah, but absolutely geeking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's a, um, what's well, called, yeah, it's more like it interprets like our local history here in where I live in the town of Chuka. So it's about like the river history and paddle mm-hmm. scene and things like that. So it's quite cool. And we run guided tours and stuff like that. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember I went there a few years ago. It was a Tutankhamun exhibit. I hadn't been there since I was a kid. And, yeah, it was just it was amazing. And I remember going there a few years before that. That, that This was the Melbourne, yeah. the Melbourne Museum, I think it was. And, yeah, seeing the, the Charles Darwin display, that was just, that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, so, it's got to, I was, so talking about the medicine side of things, because um, yeah. I remember talk like read, reading a blog articles of yours and yet learning about the fact that you were studying medicine and you said when you were studying medicine that you'd study this was before your spinal cord injury happened that you were um studying medicine and you were studying disability at the time yeah so can, you, were, can you go into that a bit more because that was fascinating to me yeah <laughs> i think i think what you're referring to is i think i did an interview at one point and i said in the interview, it's true that um, in med we had learned we were learning about uh, not specifically around disability. There needs to be a lot more of that in medicine and health fields. Education around that, and education around like social model of disability and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we were learning about was the nervous system, and so yeah. we learnt about spinal cord injuries. And I remember learning about. Um, quadriplegia and paraplegia and basically just thinking to myself I'd rather die than Mm -hmm. have that or have my life look like this um Mm. so obviously this was when I was non-disabled and just very ignorant and you know that's a lot of sort of ableism and internalized ableism Mm -hmm. really that I've now processed and obviously now I've realized like how dare I think that really because look at my life now and I'm I love my life probably tenfold more now Mm -hmm. than I did back then so um yeah, I've grown a lot since that point in my life. But yeah, that that's a very interesting thing that I, I do like to talk about and reflect on because it shows that growth. It shows that even people with disability, especially people who have acquired impairments, it's like mm-hmm. we were non-disabled people mm-hmm. who were potentially very ignorant and ableist beforehand mm-hmm. and, you know, could still be quite ignorant and ableist now as well. Like internalised ableism is a thing, like mm-hmm. it's massive. So. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it does come from outside because it can be, and most of the time it is really, mm-hmm. but it's like the portrayals and 
um, the representation and like the inaccessibility and all that kind of stuff that we see in the real world that often dictates our own perceptions of ourselves. So um, <laughs> yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a complicated conversation, but yeah, yeah. I, I do like talking about that because it shows that progress and that growth that um, non-disabled people can have themselves mm. without actually acquiring an impairment. They can change and, and yeah. their minds and change their own perception of disability. So. Cause that was the fascinating thing to me because I mean, I've, I was born with it. Um, with spina bifida so i've known no different i mean i used to yep. use a frame and calipers to walk around on when i was a kid and then when i got i don't know early teens i had to have a spinal fusion and because of curvature curvature of the spine and I had, yep. then at that point i had to have go get physio if, if i wanted to start going back into the calipers and frame and i was at the age where i was just like nah too hard work i don't want to do that <laughs> just yeah. so i just want to i was like no nah, no nah, that's too much i didn't, didn't want to have to go to get all you know have all the sessions so i like i just stayed in the wheelchair which it, it, it but so for me like i've really known no different and then like i i, I look at people like yourself who have had the spinal cord injuries um and for me like before i'd read that i was i was basically i was the, the fame of mine was if something had been taken away from me if i'd known like for example walking and then mm. that had been taken away from me and like those abilities lost that yeah i would have the same mindset that you did when you were reading about it before you had the accident yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think every person's experience of disability is obviously so different. Mm. Um, and then every person who acquires an impairment and is introduced to the world of disability, I think has a very different experience as well to yeah. what I possibly have had. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like something that I've spoken about before that's been twisted, I think, in interviews to make it quite inspirational, but I don't, I don't find it to be like an inspo thing. It just is what happened and is what sort of made me realise was mm-hmm. about three weeks after I had my, um, acquired my impairment. So Can I ask how old you were when you had it? Uh, 19. Okay. Yeah. So when I was like still in hospital, like three weeks later, basically a news article, a news thing popped up on the tv that really showed a man that died instantly Mm -hmm. from the same sort of mechanism of injury that i had so um yeah they like fell off a balcony really and they died instantly and that sort of put things into perspective for me where i was like okay like that's what could have happened um and and i mean obviously at that point you're like oh i've lost this i've lost that but i think the important thing that i would like to drill home for whether it's for non-disabled people listening along or other people with disability who feel that they've lost things. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel like I've actually gained a lot of things as well and possibly gained more than I've lost. So um, all of the different opportunities that I've had and basically everything that I'm working on now has come from some form of like activism and experience of disability um, and the sense of purpose that I have now as well in terms of like remolding the world and, and making things way more inclusive Mm -hmm. um, is something that I would never trade just to be able to walk again. So um, I think, you know, and I don't know if you want me to jump into my 10 things yet. We might do that at the end. I don't know what, when you want to do it, but Mm -hmm. one of my things is basically that you should never assume that 
people with disability would prefer to be non-disabled or would want a cure. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, if someone came up with some miracle cure tomorrow that would make me walk again, I'm like, I don't know if I would take that. Mm. It's a whole new process of like having to go back to that. I really like most days I really like my wheelchair and wheeling Mm. around and I can go really quick in my wheelchair. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to clear my throat one second. Yeah. <clears throat> okay so yeah talking about the 10 things let's go into that now so every week i ask guests um about their 10 things that they'd like people to know about disability which has been spawned from a blog post that i wrote um that you can find on uh ainsleyhooper.com.au so yeah um jason yeah go through what your 10 things that you'd like to know people to know about disability please yeah um <laughs> It sort of comes down to me. I don't think I've got 10. I've got about like six or seven that I jotted down. That's cool. Um, that's cool. If that's okay. Yeah. But I think we could talk for hours about each one, to be perfectly Absolutely. honest. And we sort of have already touched on some of them. Mm-hmm. One of them was that um, basically never assume that all disabled people have the same experience of disability mm-hmm. or just are the same. Like don't just put us into a box and be like, they're all the same treat us all as individuals because we are and we all have very different experiences as we've already touched on um whether it's from birth or an acquired impairment you know even within those two different categories people have very different experiences as well so um treating us as as individuals and respecting us for our own individual needs and wants and desires and things like that so the second one is um And I, you know, speaking generally, I I can't speak on behalf of the whole community, but I know (laughs) that I don't want non-disabled people to pity me. Um, I would much prefer them to just create a world that is better (laughs) for me and for all people with disability rather than be like, oh, that must be so hard. Like if you feel, (laughs) if you feel pity when you see me, it's, it shouldn't be because of the fact that I have an impairment or that I'm a wheelchair user that I can't walk, it should be because the world hasn't progressed yet to be Mm. inclusive and accessible to me. That's what you should be sad about because that's the real shame and that's the real thing that people probably should be ashamed about too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think more more people need to realise their own respective responsibilities in shaping the world Mm -hmm. in whatever way they can, whether they are a manager that has influence over employing people um you know realizing your own responsibility there so that's probably another point mm-hmm. <laughs> Just come up mm-hmm. with realizing your own responsibility around shaping the world around you yep um yeah the third one we've already spoken about is i don't wish that i was non-disabled um mm-hmm. and i don't imagine that i ever will obviously i had moments like pretty immediately after acquiring my impairment where i was like this sucks this is the worst um but now that I think even like two years after I was pretty much like, this is my life. Um, I, I love my life and this is who I am. So it just be, it's been, it's integrated into who I am now. So mm-hmm. to take it away from me feels wrong. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a complex thing to explain, especially. It is. Think, it's, it's fascinating. I've acquired an impairment because mm-hmm. not disabled people just think like, Oh, don't you just want to get rid of it? And I'm like, no, like part of me yeah and it's such an interesting thing because like i mean i grew up you know wishing that i could walk with like and like do do other stuff and 
And then when I sort of, yeah, as I got older, I'm like, well, the only reason I felt like that was because like what you just said, like the, the world wasn't accessible. Like literally. <laughs> like, and if the, if the world, yeah, if the world would be more accessible, then I wouldn't have to like have those thoughts and it's just ridiculous. Like 95% of the challenges that I experience, again, yep. I can't speak on behalf of the whole community, mm-hmm. but 95% of the challenges that I face yep. are because of the way that the world is structured, mm-hmm. whether that's like the way that our systems, physical or not, are structured or like the way that a space is built or Mm -hmm. the perceptions of people so then you don't get opportunities or, you know, you come across someone that's super ableist in your day or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you know, can't can't reach something at the shops because that's a physical barrier. Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 95% comes from the world rather than from... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like, um, cause, and I sometimes say it, it's, and the whole label of disability and people saying, you know, that that's another interesting one. Um, being proud to say that you're a person with a disability, um, because yeah, the whole thing, and this was, I, I sort of, it was before I, Stella Young, I sort of started following Stella Young stuff. Have you yep. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about like the social model of disability as opposed to the medical. And and that's where I think the big shift for me was, was like, okay, so it's not me. It's not that my, my condition needs to be fixed. Sure. If there was going to be a cure, it's awesome. But I mean, I'm 42 now and it hasn't been any kind of headway yet. So I'm not sort of holding my, my breath on it. So, um, yeah, it's more about getting the whole, getting society to be accommodating to every every single person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that I, and like, this is not a comment on you or anyone else, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just speak for myself. Yeah. Is when I was thinking about whether I would take a cure versus, because in my brain, it's like, if I take that cure, potentially have way less influence in, in changing the world and making it more mm-hmm. inclusive. Mm-hmm there'll never be a cure for every single person with disability. Like that just is never going to happen. Like that's a very euphoric type <laughs> yeah. world that people try to create and fabricate in, mm. in their minds. I mean, like we're struggling to create a vaccine for coronavirus at the minute. So I don't think we can just go like bang, bang, bang and create a cure for every yeah. sort of in, impairment or condition that people have. So, mm. and we all naturally experience some form of disability or barrier when we age. Mm. So in my brain, I was like taking the cure versus making the world more inclusive. I'm mm. always going to choose the one that actually benefits more people. Yeah. More the like greater everyone, good. The greater yeah. good rather yeah. than like, oh, this <coughs> like, excuse me. That's my dog. That's right. If anybody, that's my dog Sheldon trying to look at the screecher walking. Okay. Let's just take a little intermission there. Oh, he's going to be featured on the podcast. Look at him. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I guess that thing that was in my head was a bit like almost like taking that cue would almost be like a selfish way out of like fixing me rather than fixing the world. And then that comes back to that social model versus medical model where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not the one that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. The world yeah. is. So like people with disability 
don't need to be fixed. There's not like something that's like broken or wrong no. with us. It's just that the world needs to be more inclusive and accessible for us. Yeah. And it's, it's I'd love to sort of, it makes me just thinking just like, yeah, I think processing thoughts in my head makes me think like, I wonder when we sort of come to this shift of thinking about things like that. So for me, um, yeah, sure. I've had a disability all my life, but I didn't sort of have to rely on, yeah, I didn't have to rely on, on, I guess, disability related things more so until later on in life. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would say that I probably was re- relying on disability-related things when I was younger, um, but I, but they were just so incorporated into my life that I didn't know any different, and there was just sort of extra things that had to come into my life in the 20s when I had medical issues that were just snowballing. Um, and, yeah, so that that's when I felt more that I had a disability than previously. So mm-hmm. that's kind of – it's a very interesting – to think like, yeah, I am rambling at the moment, but yeah, it's just, but the, 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 so, so there's just so many thoughts that go through my head in relation to the whole thing. It's just, yeah. So I'm going to stop. Right yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. Probably I'll go back to my points. The yes, next please. one, um, cause it's 10 things that I wish people realized, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's like 10 things so one about is, disability and yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so a big thing that I have probably started talking about in the last 18 to 12 months is, yeah. um, the systemic desexualization of people with disability. Um, so <laughs> yes. I'm very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that I would really want people to just go and educate themselves on is essentially how we set up these systems and these structures, like mm-hmm. social structures that mm-hmm. value and devalue people, mm-hmm. um, and it can be applied to a lot of different marginalised communities, but quite heavily for the disability community is that we are desexualized, which is yes. why people have this strange thing where they come up to us in public and go, can you have sex? And it's like, <laughs> why would you ask me that? Yes, <laughs> yes I can. And it's like my partner. I've been with my partner for 15 years and people, I remember when we first started going out, um, people were like, oh, what, what disability does your partner have? And I'm like, doesn't have a disability. Oh, I was so surprised. And it's like, how does that work? Yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I remember like one moment, yeah, like just I had a carer come in at one of the very first times I used carers. And yeah, she, and this was before we moved in together. And yeah, that was she, what she said. She, I said, Oh, I've got a partner. And she goes, Oh, what disability does he have? And I'm like, He doesn't have one. She's like, oh, sorry. Like, it was just such a weird yeah, thing that they straight, go straight strange. for that. See, that leads straight into my next point, which mm-hmm. is about segregation. So yes. um, the point that I would make people take home is that we're not, like, special. <laughs> we are, like, I'm different to you. You're different to a non-disabled person. You're mm. different to Stacey down the road who may or may not be a person with disability. Like, we're all different. Mm. And obviously mm. we need to see and recognise people's differences in order to be able to cater to them. So we need to recognize disability essentially Mm. so we can cater to it, make the word accessible and inclusive. However, disability is a very natural part of the normal spectrum of human diversity. Like all people are diverse and Mm. disability is, is a normal part of Mm. that diversity because it's quite a complex thing. Cause like we need to recognize that it is a normal part of diversity 
Mm. But we also need to recognise disability itself for the different challenges that people with disability have in order to make the world accessible and inclusive. Yeah. So that's a very important one I would like people to learn. Yeah. I think as well, because I mean, when you talk, when we talk about um, the autism spectrum, et cetera, mm. being autistic, um, people in, who are autistic don't see it. And it's not, it's not a um, necessarily a hindrance. Whereas someone with a physical disability like myself people see it like that because you can't mm. do things, but it, but the world should just be structured in a different way. So and exactly. And that's what it is. I mean, basically, you know, so having, uh, being autistic, your brain's just wired differently. So yeah. being, having a physical disability, your body's just a little, is, a, is different and you need to yeah. do things differently. Um, yeah. So just make the world accessible. And so to we deal should recognize it. difference, mm. but, it, it should also, like, difference is normal, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I don't love the word normal because I'm like, what is no, normal? But no, I, the I, fact I, that everyone is different mm-hmm. is actually a very normal part of humanity. Yes, exactly. That's what's normal. Yeah, accepting, yeah. accepting difference and mm. making things accessible for different, for different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. What, yeah, because, like, it's funny, I was talking to a friend the other day and uh, we were talking about... Um, labels like and they came up with they were talking about the label differently abled and i said oh Mm. no i'm not i'm not a fan of differently abled because it's kind that kind of to me goes down the whole inspo porn kind of of thing yeah what do you think about that uh it's that's a pretty complex one as well but i think Mm. the main takeaway from my perspective is well, one, we've built a community around the experience and collective community that are people with disability. So that mm-hmm. should never be diminished. Mm-hmm. Two, disability is, so when you look at the social model of disability, disability shouldn't be a word that we like shy away from because it's not something that we, as people with disability, should mm-hmm. be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. It's it's the rest of the world and the way that the social structures are set up and the way that physical structures are set up as well. Mm-hmm. That's what should be feeling the shame about it because mm-hmm. they haven't been set up and they're not willing to make those changes yet mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. to make it more inclusive and accessible. Mm-hmm. So, cause as we said, social model of disability is essentially that we are people with impairments or conditions. And then when we experience a barrier out in society, whether it's physical social, communicative, whatever, um, that's when we experience the experience of disability. Mm. So yeah. So that's, when that's... you look at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. it's like I want everybody to know what disability is so that we fix those barriers. <laughs> and it's such an interesting one because I've started saying, because, yeah, I, I used to not like saying that I was a person with disability. I used yep. to just be like, I'm Ainsley, I just find a bifida. That's yeah. it. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, yeah. so I've, I've now come to say yeah, I'm a person with disability, but my main, the way I kind of identify, I know Ainsley, I have a condition. The society is the disabler, but I am uh-huh. also a person with a disability. So that's very yeah. com- that's complex. It sounds horrible. Like, but that's sounds also complex, like but it's just... a really important part of the social model of disability is mm. it's all inclusive because yeah. if you don't, want to 
to own or have that as part of your identity as, so if you don't want to be a person with disability, you mm-hmm. don't have to say that you're a person with disability. Yeah, exactly. If you don't believe that you experience those barriers and that disadvantage and you don't want to have that as part of your identity, mm-hmm. you don't have to. Whereas medical model, it's forced on you because it's yeah. like, it's you, you're disabled, you're the disabler, your condition, yeah. your impairment is the disabler. Whereas, yeah. whereas yeah. under the social model, so just imagine there were no barriers. Mm. I would just be Jason who is, has a spinal cord injury and is a wheelchair user. I wouldn't yeah. be Jason who, has a, who is a person with disability. I would just be, that's mm. my belief of social model anyway. So Yeah. And I think that goes back to where I was rambling earlier because basically, yeah. I, 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 and it makes a lot more sense now, is that, yeah, so I grew up with just Ainsley, as his, uh, Ainsley with spina bifida, um, he uses a wheelchair. And then when I got, like when I had those, those years in my twenties, when I was um, sick and then had to rely on more services, etc. that's yep. when I became a person with a disability because I had yep. to fit. And it was because I had to fit um, this particular uh, tick box. Um, mm. I remember having to apply for services, which I'd never had before. And it it was mind blowing that I had to all these hoops I had to jump through. Um, and basically I felt like I had to play my disability, play, not fake my disability, yeah. but I had to feel, I felt like I had to play the role of somebody with a disability that fit what they wanted. So to, yeah, to get 100%. these services. And that those structures still exist. And I did. And the funny part about it was I didn't know I end up getting the services because at the time they said, well, they said that, I mean, and it shouldn't have been, but I, I worked like I was working and they denied me based on the fact that I work, which later on turned out to be completely irrelevant. It was apparently yeah. not meant to be that way, but that's okay. But it was just this whole process of it. Like, yeah, having to play this part of what they wanted a person with a disability to be. And I'm just like, it was, yeah, to me, it was, it was a disgusting process to have to go through. Cause I was just like, yeah, it's all about made me feel so this grimy. whole like validation process of almost <sighs> like, are you yeah. disabled to have this service? Yeah. Um, and it's all around like this whole severity of your experience of disability. Yeah. And, and that disgusting. is very medical model based. Mm. Um, and those structures still exist everywhere. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one of the things that needs to be deconstructed yes. and rebuilt with a more social model in mind, which is happening, but slowly. Yeah. Um, but that's why these conversations are very important. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like it. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I love these unscripted conversations because it, that is such an important thing that I wouldn't never even thought to to bring up. But yeah, like mm. at the moment there is like even with um with the, even with the new things that we've got um like within the government, etc. They talk about like they talk about in the way of the societal um, um, social model disability, but there is such a big um yeah medical model. Uh, stereotype that's stuck in there and that seems to be what's actually holding things back and making causing all the problems that we're seeing um within those departments etc yeah yeah it's all about yeah when it comes to things like funding bodies and things like that it's all about like how 
they do their assessments and how they tick those boxes to say yes or no to certain funding pools mm-hmm. or dollar amounts, um, how they work out. So that's the part that's quite almost dehumanised and mm. comes from a medical model. Yeah. Um, and I'm not that high level of like a bureaucratic person, so I don't think that I'm probably the one that can provide the answers around it. Mm. But all I, would, all I would say is that it needs to start coming from more of a social model. Yeah. Um, which I believe in my experience, I've seen some shifts and I've seen some things that like certain programs and, and government organisations are doing, mm-hmm. um, whether it's actually like part of the service they offer or whether it's like something that they fund or mm-hmm. create, like yeah. almost like a marketing thing, mm-hmm. um, it's also still important. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to talking about it, uh, the um, starting with Julius, yep. how did you get involved in that? Because that's interesting. I only just saw on your Facebook page early that you were, that's one of your pages that you're um, hmm. involved in. And I've been like following it for ages and I didn't realise you were involved in it at all. Yeah. So um, I really, they just reached out to me when they saw that I was modelling, which mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah. Um, and I connected with them and so it's Angel Dixon and, and Katia Panetta. I think I have said Katia's name right. Um, and they're both incredible advocates in the disability community and do some amazing things. So, yeah, I just really, I just say that they came on as like my life coaches <laughs> at yeah. one point and just really retaught me and helped me unlearn a lot of stuff around internalized ableism, which is one of my points is that mm. like most people with disabilities still experience internalized ableism. Oh yeah. Um, I do. <laughs> so it's okay for non-disabled people too as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, so really they've just taught me a lot um, and brought me different opportunities um, connected me with, you know, like for modeling jobs, like things like target Australia and stuff like that. So um, yeah. So we've done a bit of work together and really they just helped me work out what I was actually doing and what inclusion really is. And, and really it started off with, this is the social model of disability. So um, when people ask me, where should they start? It's generally now we'll start with social model of disability and understand what that is. Um, and then you can start having a few more conversations with me or with someone else around the yeah. different intricacies but the main real thing is just to understand that social model mm. yeah there was something you were talking about earlier um about uh, sort of talking about people pitting pitting yeah yeah yep. so and that to me is an interesting one because yeah people i guess the the reason people pity is because they don't see it see it enough i think mm. Um, yeah, and when they do see it, it's generally represented in a very medicalized or from yeah. a non-disabled person's lens. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's already I, dictated to them that it is something that you have to pity because that's how it's shown on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like I guess with my with my feelings about when I heard about your story, and I was just like, oh geez, like you know, if that happened to me, well, you know, what my thoughts were. Yeah, I was, yeah, like, and. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess that need. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it sucks. The, it sucks that the accident happened, 
I mean, so that part of it's, I guess, a normal, normal pity reaction. Um, but don't pity the person if they're doing okay. Yeah, I think there's like, it's probably like separating out like sadness and trauma versus pity, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. trauma is a very natural part of life. Like we all experience trauma and sadness and, yeah. you know, all that. Although negative feelings are real and and are a natural part of life. I was literally talking to my dad about this the other day, <laughs> about like, obviously we all still experience some form of trauma of like, what we as a family and me as an individual went through Mm -hmm. during the period of when I acquired my impairment. Mm -hmm. However, trauma isn't necessarily like validating. Like I don't say that because I went through trauma, I don't say that that should allow a non-disabled person to pity me because of that. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you can sympathize and empathize, but there's a difference between that and pity and it's all around the context as well. Um, so you could sympathize with me because I went through a form of trauma, mm-hmm. but don't pity me just because I use a wheelchair. Yes. <laughs> it's around because, it's yeah. a bit deeper than just like, because mm. I, yeah, I, that's one thing that I get a lot is like, oh, I hear that you don't want people to like, feel bad for you but like we're just coming from a good place and i'm like (laughs) that's fine like if i'm going through a shit time yeah or like like if someone was going through something difficult Mm. whether it's mental health whether it's you know something physical Mm. of course you can sympathize with them yeah but what and and offer them assistance or offer them like you know your your best wishes and things like that that's normal that's that's a that's a nice reaction to have for someone, but to sit back and be like, Oh my God, like, do you know what I mean? It's a very different context. So do you think pity is more about um, feeling sorry for someone, but not thinking about the uh, opportunities that somebody might have? I think pity comes from the idea that disability is undesirable. And so a non-disabled person, when they look at a person with disability and pity them, what that says to me is, oh my God, I couldn't do that. Why? Mm-hmm. Like pretty much it's yeah. like, I couldn't do that. Like I see that as less. Mm-hmm. I, that I see you as having mm. lost something. I see you as less than me. Therefore I couldn't do that. And therefore I, you're inspiring or I feel so sorry for you. Yeah. So they're not seeing past. They're not Very seeing... underlying negative. Yeah gross thing mm-hmm. that presents as like a positive thing yeah. if that makes sense like it's yeah. like a, oh i'm so sorry this happened to you yeah that so feels like they're saying something they feel like they're saying something positive mm-hmm. because i can see that underneath that yeah. is this whole thing where they're viewing me as less than yes and that they're just feeding into the social structures yeah. of the fact that people with disability are less than that's the part where I go, I don't want your pity. I don't need yeah. your pity. What I really need is for you to get over that mm-hmm. and help me fix this world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're not, so they're seeing a two dimensional thing and they're seeing what's wrong in front of them at the moment. They're not thinking about what, why? The possi- yeah, yeah. what, why they're thinking that and what yeah. the possibilities are that, you know, that, and that, yeah, that's something I've, um, 
I've asked people, I, I wrote a thing a while ago and I've asked people next time you, and it's hard to ask people to, to do something that they're, that they don't know they're actually doing, but yeah. ask people to next time you react to something. Cause I think I was getting a lot of, I was getting a lot of comments on one of my Facebook posts, like, you know, and, and these comments were not sitting right with me because they weren't what I was trying to convey in the post. So I said, I was basically saying, so next time you read, read a post about disability, don't just say, go you, blah, 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 you know, actually process it and your reaction, see what your reaction is and where your reaction is coming from and mm. then and then comment. But just don't, like, yeah, don't look at it as, as inspirational off the bat because, mm. yeah, too many people do that. They just look at things and it's just inspirational straight away when, and I don't mind if, if some of my stuff is inspirational for people, but I want, to, I want it to be inspirational for the right reasons. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely vibe with that. Yeah, and that's <laughs> such people a hard... just don't. Yeah, it can be very hard, but people just generally, a lot of people just don't question themselves. They don't. They don't introspect enough, so they don't go. Mm. They react to something or have an emotion like mm. pity or like sadness, but they don't question. Okay, where that, that made me feel sorry for this person. But mm. Where does that come from? Yeah, that yeah. comes from this. But where does that come from? And drill deep down, basically to the point where it goes down to the social structures in society, because that's where it all comes from. Mm, absolutely. Like you can pinpoint it all the, all the time. You can basically pinpoint your whole kind of perspective of the world down to things that you've absorbed from the outside and put inside your brain. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. Cause like <clears throat> I've, um, I've been thinking um, recently just about my, my childhood. I've written yep. about stuff for, um, in the past and I'm thinking about it more and more and more and I'm drilling down and there's actually more and more little things that I'm thinking, oh, my God, that, that happened to me because that's what people thought was the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. Like that, so, yeah, I'll be um, exploring that in further blog articles. But it's just a fascinating thing to think that, things that you just put up with that just you've figured, oh, that's just a part of life. And then you realize, well, they are a part of life, but they're a part of life because of the way people think and what was considered to be acceptable. And mm. now it's not. And even um, not just in disability, just thinking about all the other societal issues going on it, like, you know, in the last, um, I guess, maybe 10, 20 years, there's so many other things that have changed. Um, yeah. That and I'm watching TV, um, you know, you watch old episodes of say friends and see some stuff in there and you think, Oh geez, that wouldn't, couldn't, go, couldn't yeah, now. It's a bit like, but, that's not quite right. Is no. It? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, and the funny thing is like friends doesn't seem so long ago, but it's just, yeah, it's, society's changed a hell of a lot since then. Yeah. yeah. And will continue to as well, but you know, <laughs> definitely the representation that we see in our, media and things that we consume in high levels which is like your tv and your film and your music and those sorts of things and now podcasts and things it's mm. the representation has to be there and in those realistic and positive empowered ways mm -hmm. to create the change so yeah. mm -hmm. that's what that's i'm all about really, yeah <laughs> 
I wanted to just ask you as well, because I know when you said, um, like, so you were studying medicine. Um, yeah. What were you studying? Like, do you, what, how far were you into it? What were you actually studying to do? Uh, so it was a Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery at um, Monash Uni. Mm-hmm. And I got to the end of second year. Yep. It was interesting. Yep. And so have you thought of like going back into medicine kind of thing? Like, or? No, yeah. I sort of, from that two years, I think I find like physiology really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things that I find interesting that I wouldn't want to devote my life to. So <laughs> at, at that point in my life, I was, that was, you know, my pursuit of medicine, I think, was based on um, very naive and probably, uh, I would say, materialistic and yeah. capitalist, probably, views of the world that I had when I was younger around, like, what success really is. Um, okay, yeah. Basically, success was just probably to really simplify it down, which is probably not doing my younger self justice, but <laughs> to really simplify it down, it was basically like being very smart and being very rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like, and this is still exists everywhere, but yeah. being very beautiful. So, yeah. um, and those three things still exist everywhere, but yeah. I am now conscious of unlearning them. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's important to you now then like from, can, between then and now? now? I, like in terms of what, like how do I define success? Yeah, or, yeah. What would you define success as now? Um, probably like I would say probably finding the thing that you're or finding things that you're actually passionate about mm-hmm. and then creating some sort of life, career, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. where that is included and then yeah. having like a balance between that and, you know, the things that you love doing and mm-hmm. the things that you find fun whether that's hanging out with friends or whether that's, you know, mm. playing video games or watching movies or whatever it is, yeah. um, creating the balance and yeah, that's probably how I define it now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's in, and it's been interesting since COVID. Um, and I'd like to think it's like been what six months since like the lockdown and all that stuff. And yeah, like <laughs> even since then, like things have changed so much as to what, you know, we thought before was important as to as to now. Yeah, it's uh, even just in this short time, it's been interesting to see what's changed in. Exactly. Yeah, like for you, what, what has anything changed in what, like what you think is important between March and September? Um, I don't think too much has changed mm-hmm. in terms of like what I view as important because I think I'd possibly learnt some of like possibly the things that non-disabled people or whoever else have mm-hmm. learned during this period. I think I might have already possibly learnt them, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. I've just, I've yeah. just realised how, how um... like self-care and stuff like that. I learnt that. Yeah. Like post, like when I, after I had acquired my impairment, I, I learned a lot about self-care and things like that then mm. um, and knowing your limits and, you know, making sure that you're kind of filling up your cup or whatever you mm. call it, um, yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. is really important to me to stay motivated and dedicated and determined and all that kind of stuff. So I think mm. people are getting around that a lot more now because it's such a tricky time and we're stuck at home and mm. all this time and things like that. So yeah so i think that's like for me um yeah 
basically, I mean, I've always been an introvert, so I've always liked being at home, all that kind of stuff. But even yeah. but just in this last six months, it's just the even the little the little things that we used to do going out going i realize i don't miss all these little things as much as i used to as much things that i took for granted i i don't miss as much and i could Mm. actually do without it's just like you know things that you know you just used to do i could like it doesn't matter if i do them anymore um but yeah for me like the work going back to the gym can't wait for that to happen Yeah. yeah 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 definitely having that i guess having that back to the routine that i really love and mm. accessing those like going out for coffee and stuff will be really nice to start doing that a lot more yeah. like yeah. yeah there's just those certain little things that we love because they fill up our cup because we yeah. love them like, yeah. like going out for coffee and having ridiculous chats with my friends and catching mm. up and just being silly yeah that gives me energy so that yeah. i can keep going to do the things that you know, the things that I still love, but are like probably more considered my job and work and career and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And gym is possibly one of those ones for you. So, yeah. And it's like, um, just like, I've got a coffee in my hand right now. Um, my partner, uh, he bought a different brand of coffee, um, a few weeks ago and I went to the kitchen and I smelled it and it's like, I was in a cafe again. I was just like, Oh, and I said to him, I, th- I hadn't realised how much I'd missed that smell. Like, just... Yeah. Yeah, no. Just, it's nice well, to mix up your coffee beans every now and then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just try I, something new. And, it, like, I... Yeah, I haven't... Um, I'm sort of new to coffee. And I'm probably doing a very sinful thing at the moment. I have Milo in my coffee at the moment. Mocha. Yum. Yeah, It's almost yeah. like a mocha. It is, basically. <laughs> And yeah, so I'm very, doing very simple. I, I've, I haven't graduated to a black coffee yet. I uh, only have milk coffee. Yeah, yeah. I'm an almond milk latte kind of guy. Ah, yes. <laughs> almond milk's yeah. not too bad, but I prefer to have the real, the real deal if I can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. nice. Oh, thank you very much for t- chatting with me today. No, that's all right. Did you have any other questions at all? I feel like. Um, I did I bring enough to the table? You did absolutely. <laughs> Where you. can um. I don't have any other questions. I know I will think of them after because I always watch these back Possibly. and think like, oh, okay. So I'll, I certainly will have you on again at some point. Um, where can people find you and follow you and all that stuff? Yep, for sure. So on um, Instagram and Facebook, I've, I'm called My Life With Wheels. Um, and obviously my name's Jason Climo, so just double check that you found <laughs> the right person. Um, and then, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're wanting to hire me as a model or any of that stuff, they can find me at Wink Models. Um, and you just jump on their website and search in Jason Climo. Um, but yeah, for everything else, like whether it's inclusion work, um, or, you know, if you need any like marketing agency services, my marketing agency is called J2 Content Creation. Um, that's got Instagram and Facebook as well. Just trying to think what else I do. <laughs> probably the main things really that people might be looking for. But wow, yeah, <laughs> cool. I do have to yeah. say that um, bef- when I I keep when, with your name, I keep going with Bre- Brett Climo. Do you know who Brett Climo is? No. Okay. Do you remember a country practice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Brett Climo was a doctor on a country practice. Uh, like so, a character, or was yeah, he? Yeah. Yeah. So he's oh, an actor. Cool. Brett. Sorry. No. Brett Climo is the actor's name. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, so yeah. every time I think Jason Climo, my brain first goes Brett Climo. And like, no, 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 that's that's not it. Well, you've done very good. You haven't called me Brett once. So <laughs> oh, good. good job. Oh, excellent. Oh, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'll look forward to chatting again to you at some time. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. I'm going to stop recording.